Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com, your one-stop shop for self-growth. Go there for workshops, classes, live classes, on-demand classes, certifications, retreats, whatever it is you are looking for, we have it. Come join us. And now for only $49.99 a month, you have unlimited access to all classes live and the entire on-demand schedule. So you can make it work for you. So if you are looking for a chance to deepen your practice, show up every day, or even just a couple times a week, this is the membership for you. We cannot wait to see you in class. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. We're here for another episode. This is Tal, the founder of Den Meditation and your host. Um, we have Nia on today. Anyone who's come in for class or is taking classes with us on Den Anywhere knows how phenomenal of a teacher she is as her classes are always packed. She is she teaches Akashic Reiki weekly. And again, if you're not local, you can absolutely be taking these classes at any time on demand. This is such an incredible episode because it's very personal. We really get into the trauma, the deep, deep trauma that she's experienced since she was a child and how she experienced her healing, how it began, how she was open to it and how it was successful for her. And I really think anybody who's still grappling with trying to heal trauma or even come to terms with trauma, um, or if you're in the middle of it, this is going to be a very inspiring episode. Or if you know someone, which I think we all do, who's going through something or trying to heal from something. I think this is a beautiful episode too, because she really gives you insight onto the workings of the mind and where people are at and what they might need or not need. Um, Needless to say, it is very interesting. um, And like I said, inspiring. She's very vulnerable and she um, really shares. So it's a beautiful episode. And I don't want to get lost her magic in all of this and how powerful of a healer she is. And I do think because of how she's really overcome this trauma. So the beauty about her too is, you know, she does a lot of our certifications or Reiki certifications because she is so powerful. And we have an Akashic records training coming up this week and actually on Sunday. I strongly suggest you sign up. Again, you can be anywhere in the world for this. It is virtually live. Um, It will be recorded. So if you can only do half of it or you miss some of it, you can always catch up. But a chance to learn to read the records and to be able to communicate with your guides in this very visual way. Again, if it's something you're looking to expand, you know, your toolbox, if you're already in the healing arts, amazing. But if you're also someone who just wants to understand themselves more and kind of get better perspective or actually really feel in touch with 
those guides and angels that are looking out for you. This is an incredible certification. So it's going to be this Sunday. Sign up on denanywhere.com and really enjoy this episode. I know we're all going to learn from this episode. So let us know what you think. I'm so happy to have you on here. It's so Me nice too. to talk to you. Yeah, I feel like I'm Florida excited. suits you. You look great. Thank you. Yeah, I love it here. I love it Have here. you been happy? Good. Yeah. I mean, I had that health stuff going on, which wasn't fun, but now I feel really, really good here. Really good here. Now, are yeah. you from Florida originally? No, and I never even been to St. Petersburg uh, before I moved here, but it just, that's just how I work. I felt it and it just felt right. And it was. So I love that. So talk about that for a second. Was it were you happen to be there and then you were like, okay, I got to stay here? Or was like, did somebody just pop in your head that was like, I've got to go to St. Petersburg, Florida? Well, basically, so, okay. I was in Florida visiting a friend last January, the January before, not this last January, but the January before that. And while we were driving somewhere, I just had this moment out of nowhere where I thought, oh, I could live here. And which was very interesting to me, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had no interest in moving, but I, I noted it because I found it interesting. So anyway, um, I was talking to that same friend and I had just noticed, and this is like in August or, or July, actually it was in July of this year, last year. And while we're talking, I, um, I, I mentioned that I realized that my entire business had gone online. I wasn't dating anyone. And most of my friends had either fallen away or moved away <laughs> and that the space had opened to move. And she mentioned something about St. Petersburg that she was looking to move there. And, and so I just looked it up online and literally six days later, I was like, I'm moving to St. St. Petersburg. <laughs> <laughs> so did the two of you move together? Like no, no, she did move here as well. Um, I just looked it up, and all the things that they talked about, like um, it's it's it holds the world record for sunshine. Nice. Me and the sun are best friends. Um, it has the third largest dedicated waterfront public park in the north uh, northeast. So like that's for me as well. It's like a, it's like on a peninsula. So it's like surrounded by, by water. water. So yeah. Beautiful. So it just, it did. It felt, it felt right. Yeah. And I love that. I know. I mean, it's so important to talk about change, especially now, because I feel like it's such a launching pad, giving everyone this opportunity for shifts and change if you're willing to take them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because if you change your outside world, it definitely helps you shift your inner world as well. Yeah. Have or you felt versa. that? But both. Absolutely. Yeah. And you felt that too for you. Yeah, without a doubt. So I one of the things I love about when you read about you or talk about you is you refer to yourself as like before Reiki and after Reiki. Mm-hmm. Because to you it's completely two different distinct personalities. Yeah. Right? Two different people in some ways. Absolutely. I mean, of course there's that that thread of you that stays the same, you know. Um, but for me, when I was attuned to Reiki. That's the ceremony where you become a channel for the Reiki energy. The thought I had was, oh, there I am. So for me, it was literally a homecoming. And afterward, I mean, 
for me, and the other thing for me is it was so magical. I literally walked around my hands were on fire. I could feel the energy and it didn't turn off for three days. I felt like I was walking around going, you know, just like, (laughs) and so it was such, so tangible and so magical. And I remember someone asked me maybe six months after I had, you know, done the Reiki training, how long ago I had done it. And I got ready to be like, oh, like 10 years ago. (laughs) Because that's one of the ways we measure time is by how much we transform. You know, so I had shifted so much and transformed so much that it it felt like a lifetime ago. But really- And this is from Reiki 1. This was from Reiki 1. Yeah. Well, actually I had done Reiki 2 at that point. So talk about what that looked like for you. Like what was the transformation? What were the shifts? Like who were you before? A few things. So- First of all, um, I had a disease called Raynaud's. It's a a circulation disease. These are the physical things I'll give you. Um, So it's a circulation disease. Your fingers and toes will turn white. The blood stops flowing. You have to massage them, get the blood. You get cold, right? Is that the same thing? cold all the time, yeah, especially your your hands and and feet. Um, I got a tutorial. Now, literally, people sometimes think I have heating pads on them, and they're my hands because of the Reiki. So crazy. It's crazy. At that time, I was on sleeping medication. I just knew after one, I was like, I don't need this anymore. And I got off it and I would just reiki myself and go to bed at night. And I had been like kind of stomach. Like when I got on the medication, I literally, I wouldn't sleep until the sun came up. Wow. By the time I got on the medication, it had improved a bit. It had been a few years since the reason I didn't sleep until the sun, you know, came up had, had shifted. And so I would probably fall asleep at like maybe three or four o'clock, but I'd go to bed like at 11, 12. I just, I was so used to it. And finally, you know, uh, a doctor suggested this and I got on it and it was a miracle to me to be able to take something and just fall asleep. But then of course it was even a better miracle, uh, when I got off it and just, you know, use the Reiki. Amazing. I mean, that is amazing. Yeah. But then for me, I mean, I think one of the biggest shifts, I had shifted some in my depression. Like I was a, my depression was, was kind of horrific. Let me put it this way. I did suffering really, really well. I went all (laughs) the way in. I got an A plus, you know? Can I ask when you first started identifying with depression, like when you realized you were depressed? Um... I mean, pretty young, probably, well, yeah, probably even elementary school. Um, so you were just like, always kind of living with it. Yeah. And, and I, you know, you, we can acclimate to anything. So you get used to it. I will say it definitely got worse as I got older. And ironically, when it got really bad was when the abuse stopped because up until that point, I was surviving something. It made sense that I was depressed. Afterwards, the depression was still there. All the ramifications right. were still there. And so it actually got worse because now there wasn't that reason for it. Of course, there's a reason for it because all of that had happened and there, it's trauma and whatever. But in my mind at that time, it was, it was like the reason for it is gone and it's still here, which means... I, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. I mean, 
Right. It's almost like now who do I blame? It, yeah, exactly. It's like, who do yeah. I blame now? It can't be my fault. And then I'm sure that then you just feel like you're like, I'm always going to be like this because yeah. why else wouldn't it go away? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. T- can you, we talk about the abuse a little bit just so people have more background? Yeah, um, definitely. So t- tell us a little bit about that. Like when did it start? What, what are you comfortable sharing? Know, yeah, I don't know exactly how old I was. I know I was pretty young, um, very young. Well, I, I want, I want to say, I, I know it was, it was at least before first grade. Um, yeah. And it was, it was sexual in nature and it was very repetitive and same, per- and same person, same person. And late after maybe three or four years, someone else came in and started for a few years. And then after that, another person came in and started for a few more years. They know each other. Um, yes, but they don't, none of them knew, they never ran in, yeah, none of them ever knew that the others. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. And what do you, when you look at it from like a spiritual point of view, when you look at it like now in hindsight, can you make heads or tails of it at all? Can you? Absolutely. Um, a few things. So first of all, People are not black and white. No. I Thank you for a, saying that. I say that all the time. Yeah. I reached a point in my life where I saw very clearly that if I took one more step in this direction, I became the abuser. And so I know what that's like. Anyone, any one of us through traumas, through things that happen, you know, can, can become the abuser. And honestly, I think we've all played that role in some way, in some life, in some moment. Absolutely. I think, yes, I agree with that. I feel like yeah, you come to play all the roles at yeah. some point so that you fully understand and embody it and understand yeah. what it means, um, which is always a hard thing to swallow. But so, but that's interesting. What you're saying is you even could notice it in yourself at some point mm-hmm. in your life, which I kind of want to hear about that moment where you're like, oh, this could go one way or the other. I see how yeah. easy it is for me to be the abuser in this moment. Yeah. And you, you were, talk about that moment. How old were you? I was, I think I was 24, 25. It was my rock bottom. I uh, started dating, you know, someone who was a little bit of a psychopath or <laughs> um, <laughs> we literally, one time we were walking down the street and this woman out of nowhere just goes, oh my God, you're dangerous. To him. To him. Yeah. Um, and he, it was, all, it was short. It was only a few months that I dated him, but he had trained in brainwashing. He was totally, you know, brainwashing me. Um, and I, I had, one of the things that happened was that I, I went on medication when I was 22. And that, honestly, that helped. I know, you know, pharmaceuticals and all of that, there's so much that is wrong with how that all works. And you know what? (laughs) It saved my life. And that's just- I'm glad you're saying that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And then I got off it. And here's the thing. I think one of the reason, you know, people talk about, oh, there's suicide, you get suicidal after going off antidepressants, isn't so much a reaction from the antidepressant. I think what it is, is that you don't have those defenses anymore. I was numb. 
I would right. literally sit on the bed, picking my lips for 10 hours, not feeling. But then you get on the medication and you're still depressed because you still have all those, at least this is my experience. Mm -hmm. I still had all those issues. So I was still depressed, but I was nowhere near as depressed. So after two years or so of letting a lot of those defenses that kept me able to survive without killing myself were all of a sudden taken away very, you know, all of a sudden I go off the medication and I'm literally standing, no, lying on the street, uh, not on the street, like on the, you know, not the sidewalk, but where the grass like is. Like the grass, or yeah, yeah, in the curb yeah. area. And uh, I laid down there because I didn't have, I hated myself because I couldn't throw myself in front of the cars. So you were like angry at yourself for not having enough guts to kill yourself. Yes. Yeah. And um, that's a hard battle to win. Yeah. But somehow, <laughs> there's no winning that. There's no winning that. But somehow, and I, I just saw there was this, this moment of being with him that I just saw if I keep going down this path, because he, he hadn't physically abused me at that point. It was just all mental abuse or emotional abuse. But he kept saying, I would never hit a woman. Well, guess what? If a guy's telling you he never hit a woman, eventually he's going to hit you, you know? Yeah, thinking about um, it a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never hit a woman before. It never would. Um, I just had this moment of, I need, I need to get out of here. And I, my plane ticket had expired. I had quit modeling, you know, so I didn't have the income that I had before. I didn't have the money. And my, uh, plane ticket had expired. And I called this airline and this lady was an angel. I think she just heard something in my voice mm. and she got me on a ticket. And, and when I went into, to check into the airport, the person who checked me in was like, I don't know how this ticket got reissued. Like it's not possible that this happened. Oh, sometimes those are the moments. To, I yeah. Mean, that's when you do believe that, it, it, like you said, it was an angel specifically exactly. there to make sure it was like you finally made the choice to do what yeah. you needed to do to start shifting things. And it was like the universe heard you and therefore made sure that like yeah. the results were going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How, how, and tell me if any of these questions are offensive. I so don't mean to ever be offensive. I'm just curious about stuff. How do you feel like when you talk about, I mean, so sad how much abuse. And then, like you said, and then you found the boyfriend and then how much of it, when you're someone who goes through this starts to open themselves up, like it's the only patterning they know, like how much, you know what I mean? I, I'm trying to find oh, yeah. a way to ask that question of like, how does it then become this thing that it's almost like you're just well, living in this world where that's only what exists? It is whether you internalize it. I, I became the abuser to myself without a doubt. I abused myself over and over again. Um, and then, yes, I attracted that. Now, here's the, just recently, I was sharing uh, with a group of people about all the times, um, not the sexual abuse, you know, like the, what I just shared with you, but the times I've been grabbed or, or you know, um, done something inappropriate very quickly on the street or had a stalker or these different things. And here's the thing. It was yearly, at least one a year. 
once I healed, I have not been accosted in like 15 years. So that's see, that's really interesting. Yeah. And it's not, it really is because that you you're carrying that vibration. And the only reason you're attracting it is so because it, it's like, hello, this needs to shift. You need to shift this. This needs to be healed. Yeah. And look, we, just so people out there, no one here is saying any abuse is your fault. Like, cause I know 100%. this is where the conversation gets like twisted and people say that that's not what we're saying. Not at all. I think what we're trying to talk about is the energetic perspective of it and how once, unfortunately it happens, how you start to get caught because it's right. like, like you said, you have to heal yourself because exactly. no one's magically going to come and heal this wound yeah. for you that unfortunately got inflicted on you. Yeah. So it's like, so talk, yeah, keep talking about it. I think it's well, fascinating. I just wanted I, to interject that. Absolutely. And thank you for saying that. And the reason I offer it is for hope. Like you can, you, you can stop it. You can go from, you know, lying on a street in Australia, hating yourself because you can't jump in front of a car to kill yourself to like, oh my God, I love my life. I love myself. I want to play this way and play that way and learn this and do this and do that and do all these amazing things. And so, you know, and you can get to a point where, you know, those kind of things just, it's not even possible for it to be a part of your experience anymore. So, and dig in a little bit more, because again, I think that's so interesting. It's like you went through a period of your life where it almost framed most of your experience. Like mm -hmm. it somehow, it sounds like it, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like it influenced from when you were, like you said, before first grade until your mid twenties. Yeah. I mean, that's your formative years. And it feels like it, it wasn't only one incident that obviously yeah. informed you. It was like it constantly informed every moment because it was always happening in some shape or form. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it yeah. just kept finding you. Yeah. It seems like yeah. to all of a sudden, like you said, clearing out, like not even the small things that mm -hmm. were happening to you that were versions of abuse, like yeah. the, being on the street and being kind of accosted, like those things stopped happening mm -hmm. yeah. like night and day. Yeah. Well, a few things. First of all, I think the, the, the only thing you need is to make the choice mm. and to not stop making the choice and to be determined that. because how you find your healing or, or, or you know, for me, um, did uh, therapy help? Yes, without a doubt. Did it get me to where I needed to go? No, I needed more than that. Uh, Reiki. I mean, Reiki was an answer for me. Some people get it through meditation. Some people get their, you know, opening through this or through that. For me, it was Reiki, the Akashic Records, um, all these different things that I've delved into were, were part of my answer. Now, I will say this. I did get stuck a little bit in the healing because I was so good at it. <laughs> And so that, it, you know, it can, that can start to be almost, uh, you know, like, oh, I gotta, it's not perfect yet. There's still this little particle or there's this, or I got to get it at this way and that way. And it was only probably about three years ago or so that I was like, dude, there's always going to be something to show up that can transform or heal or whatever. It, it, there, there comes a point where you need to shift your focus to your forward, to what you're moving towards rather than what, you know, you need to heal. 
I think it is important for people who've been through the kinds of, you know, those kinds of traumas. You do. You, I don't think, at least in my experience, it was not possible to, to heal that without facing it, without, you know, uncovering um, the hidden emotions and the, all the things that I had buried inside of myself. And there just comes a point that you definitely need to, to be like, okay, I've done enough and now I need to shift my focus this way. And no, things might pop up here and there and, and you delve in for a moment and then you just move forward. So I want to talk about something I feel like people do not take enough advantage of, our certifications. A lot of people don't realize we have as many certifications as we do. Here's a beauty. You can now do it no matter where you live in the world or what your time zone is. There is something for you. And again, certifications are a brilliant way if you're looking to change your career, if you're interested in something you just want to know more, or frankly, if you kind of are craving to go on a deeper journey with yourself. Certifications are a brilliant way to do that. And we cover everything from Reiki's all the way up to master level, intuitive healing trainings if you're really looking to hone that psychic ability or become an energetic healer, um, teacher training, which is an intense, incredible program for self-exploration, or if you want to become a teacher, animal communications, breath work, the list goes on and we're always adding new courses and ways to expand what you know and what you want to learn. So go to denanywhere.com, check out certifications and courses and join us. Okay, guys, I'm announcing our next Dentox Live, which I love to do. Um, it is not live in a space, but it will be live online at denanywhere.com. So please join us. It's May 1st at 5 p.m., the guest is amazing. It is Paul Selig. When we had him in person, he sold out. He is an incredible channeler and we always get lucky enough where he does channel for us and he is brilliant. And his brilliance is also in how humble he is. So he is one of my favorite people to interview and favorite people to talk to for the amount of books that man has written and channeled and the amount of incredibly powerful information he has to share with us you would think he'd be less humble and he is not. He is literally the most humble man I've ever met um, and kind. And again, the information he has to share. So I am excited to really dig in, especially at this kind of hopefully what is the tail end of COVID, really understanding from more of a spiritual perspective and what the guides have to say about everything. Now, don't forget the beautiful thing about a Dentox Live is you too get a chance to participate. So there is always a Q&A and he is a person you want a Q&A with. Absolutely. So make sure you join us. Again, go to denanywhere.com. It's our Den Talks Live, May 1st at 5 p.m. Um, you can always just go to Up and Coming. It's so easy to find stuff under that Up and Coming and see everything else we have going on. But do not miss it. I promise it's going to be great. May 1st at 5. See you there, me and the most amazing Paul Selig. I mean, there's a couple of things you said that were so interesting, but it's it is true. It's like, okay, yes, obviously with trauma, you can't pretend it didn't exist and move forward because it'll just always be lurking there. So you have to yeah. deal with it. But there is that balance. I talk about this all the time in class. It's there's that balance of, and I, I like therapy too, but there's that balance of talking about something over and over and over and over again to the point that in some ways you're almost just putting more energy on it and like, exactly. create, and like exacerbating it and like just yeah getting more into every like cell of your system. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, yeah, you've acknowledged it, you get there, but then it's like, you have that choice. Do you want to keep moving forward or do you just want to sit in it some more? And then right. when you sit in it, 
it's you're almost making it thicker and muddier and harder to like extricate yourself from. Um, So I agree. I think there's such a balance to that. And that's why they're both so necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I feel like you can't have one with the other. other. You can't just be like meditating yourself out to the stars and think the trauma is going to disappear. And I do also feel like just deep therapy, but never moving on from it and just talking about it and talking about it, talking about it also, it can get you stagnant as well. So it's so interesting. But um, when you talk about you had to really deal with some of these hidden emotions Mm -hmm. and stuff, how much of the trauma, was the trauma all, the the word overt is coming out and I know that's not the right, correct word, but like, did you remember all the trauma or was there any trauma that was like hidden and that you- no, I definitely just blanked out some. on. Yeah, I definitely forgot some of it. And I used to think that I had I needed to remember it all, but you don't. You don't need to remember it all. Um, and the interesting thing is when you start healing trauma from your childhood, you'll all of a sudden get memories, happy memories back, or just random memories. Like so much of my childhood that I had forgotten about started flooding back to me when I started dealing with it all and, and, you know, healing from it. Um, and some of the memories, you know, that had, I remembered a lot, but some of the earliest memories are the ones that I still don't, you know, have, I have a glimpse of this or a glimpse of, of that. Um, so no, you, you don't need to remember all of it to find the healing. I think, I needed to be angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, were you without never angry? Die. Like as a kid, what were you like as a kid? Because oh, I mean, gosh. this was your whole childhood. So like, yeah. how did you, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure everyone does it differently. But so how, yeah. what was your version of internalizing this stuff? Like, how were you as a child? How were you as a teenager? How were you like, you did not want to meet me on the soccer field. <laughs> I get it. Probably. <laughs> tough as nails I'm guessing yes, yes. I, I got it out in soccer um I definitely I got in some fights you know I, I definitely had that anger when I started drinking oh my gosh we we had a, a altar we named her Stacy <laughs> um and oh my gosh I would throw things I would hit people I, I mean I had so much anger inside of me so much anger inside how old were you when you started drinking? Um, probably like 16. I mean, that seems pretty normal. Yeah. So it wasn't like you were, I mean, that feels like a teenager time yeah. to drink. Um, yeah. How were you close to your family? Were you, did you have siblings? I, yeah, yeah. I'm very close to my, my family now. Yeah. So was, was that hard? Did they, did anyone there have any inkling or any clue? Um, it's something we had to move with and it's actually, I would say it's brought our family closer together in many ways, but yeah, it was something that needed to be addressed and, and moved with. And that was hard. Um, and I, yeah. And I think it, it actually deepened our relationships in many ways. So when you were a kid though, were you angry at your family? Like, did you feel like subconsciously they should have known and been like protecting you or? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. And then when did you leave home? Did you go to college? Well, that was kind of, you know, a saving grace was that um, I started modeling right 
out of high school. And honestly, that was like to go from all that sexual abuse to then like now you're in front of a camera being sexualized. Like, yeah, it's almost the same thing, but exactly. I mean, I just mean it's still poking at some of those. Yeah. Yeah. But in a way, it saved me because it got me out of those environments. Mm -hmm. And it just through traveling and, and it just expanded me so much and it, it gave me the space to really, to heal. Um, Did it give I you like, was, sorry, I was going to say, was there anything to seeing like the fact that you just said traveling and opening, was there a perspective shift of like, when you realize the world is bigger, does that give someone in that yes. spot, like hope of like, Oh wait, it yes. can, there's so many other avenues and opportunities. Does mm-hmm. that help? I think so. I think it definitely helped. And for me, the the first thing that really, really helped was first I I kind of decided it was time to tell everyone and and let everyone know. Okay, this all happened, and we're it's time to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, How did that go over? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was hard, Um, but it was necessary, and I got into therapy, and like I said, therapy really did help me. My rock bottom was still after therapy, but it it did really help. But what gave you the strength to even, so I know you were modeling, and you had, like you said, it was saving grace. You got out of the environment, but what was going on, like, even in your mind that a lot, I mean, that's a hard conversation to have with your family. I mean, I just, that's why I want to hover around there for a little bit. That's, that's what I mean. That's a lot like, of strength. Yeah. That's what I mean by like, I, I wrote letters and I had that space to, you know, like if, if I, I think if I hadn't had that space, I don't think I would have been able to do but it. Tell me about the first letter you wrote. Like, first did you letter. send it right away? How long did it take you to write it? Were you crying? Were you angry? It was like the paper ripped up. Like, t- cause that's Here's what me- I remember. To open up that that secretive box that you've been holding for so yeah. long, that's a big deal. Yeah. Here's what I remember is that I wrote them in my journal. And I had this moment while I was writing the first one of how can I do this? How can I? I ironically, it was how can I hurt them? Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. And I turned the page and my journal had these quotes in it. And I'm the kind of person that would normally like go and read all the quotes first, but I hadn't. And I turned the page and it says, you'll never find yourself until you face the truth. Ooh. Shivers. And, and that was all I needed. And so I wrote the letters. I don't remember how long it, it took. And, and I sent them. And, and that was it. Like, did you get a phone call? Did they ignore it? And did you have to write I, a lot of letters until someone started the acknowledging worst, them? <laughs> I have the worst memory. I think I got a phone call. Um, yeah, I think I got a phone call. There was some, you know, disbelief. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to. Of course. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't, I mean, I would think it wouldn't be the smoothest of sailings. Right. For yeah. Any family in the beginning. Yeah. How were you on the other end of that? Like, where were you mentally? Were you? Well, I did actually um, take a few years of uh, I'm done. Peace. <laughs> I'm no longer 
in this know? family. Yeah. 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 Um, after the letters. After the letters. Yeah. Got it. I guess so you probably didn't get the reaction you needed. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I did do that for a while. And then honestly, I think that's why I needed to hit the rock bottom. And I think that's why I needed to get to, for me, I feel blessed that I got to, to that point of understanding what it was like to really know that I could become an abuser, to really see that. Do you feel like because that allowed you to have forgiveness, forgiveness yes. and compassion and understanding? Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I had gotten off my medication and um, I, I, this, I do remember I called first, I went from Australia to LA and I was like, okay, I can't, cause that's where I was living before I was living in Australia. And then I went, okay, I can't stay here. And I went to New York cause that's where I was living before LA. And I was like, okay, no, like I was just such a mess. And I remember I called my mom and she, she was crying and she said, come home. You've been dealing with this for so long on your own, you know, come home. And, uh, wow, I'm getting a little emotional. Mm. <laughs> and so I did. And I got back on the medication and it was about, I remember actually, I mean, the, the depths that I had gone to, I literally didn't smile for like two months. And I remember this movie. I don't know if I'm going to remember the name. Oh, but there's this part. Oh, I, I wish I could remember the name and give you the scene. It was the first time I smiled. And I just remember, and it's silly, it's a movie, but I just remember oh my God, smiling. You have to remember this movie. <laughs> it's like medicine for you. You have to remember. <laughs> I know, like if I could like look it up. Martin Lawrence. Oh, I yeah, wish I was better. A... You'd think I'd be good at this game. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm the worst to my partner's dismay because he's so good at it. it could, he could literally be describing Pretty Woman to me and I'd be like, yeah. oh, what? Like a movie I've seen like a gazillion times. Yeah, totally. And then actually for a year, I call it like I was in a state of grace where it wasn't even possible for me to experience anger. Um, huh. And I remember like things like I remember someone coming up to me and apologizing for something. And I hadn't even noticed. I was like, oh, okay, it's all but right. Wait, was that, was that post-Reiki or pre-Reiki? That was actually pre-Reiki. But it didn't last because, okay. <laughs> it, yeah, because it was like I had gone to that, such a horrific depth of depression that, you know, I had that, that space then where it was like, I knew when you know what it's like to feel like that and to not be feeling that anymore, of course you're okay, you know? But again, you acclimate. You get, you know, after a year, well, you don't remember being that. You don't actually remember what that feels like. And so my kind of normal way of being came back. And again, I was nowhere near as depressed, but I would still go through like, bouts of depression. I still didn't feel like I had myself fully. I still felt like I was out of control at times. Uh, at that time, I was still drinking, um, you know, like uh, too much. You know, yeah. there's nothing wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a drink, but I was using it, yes, you know, to like numb yeah. yourself. Yeah. And I did, you know, just so you know, too, people out there, I did the whole drug thing. I did anything I could to escape. Um, and I felt fortunate because 
Were drugs ever a huge problem for you? I mean, I I know they're a problem, meaning you were numbing them, but did it ever? Oh, yeah. yeah. This is kind of interesting. So um, the first time I did, well, I did Coke. Mm -hmm. And the first time I bought it for myself, because normally it would just be out and about, and about maybe two or three months after I had, had done it for the first time, I bought it for myself. I mean, that's a huge shift. Yeah. That's like a big, that's a big yeah. step in a different direction. Yeah. I always say when you start buying it for yourself. Yeah. And, and I did it and I heard a voice, an angel, my higher self say, you either flush this down the toilet or you become a cokehead. And I flushed it down the toilet. Wow. And so I did have some, even though I was hopeless in so many ways, I, there was this line that I was never willing to cross. I, I, for some reason, some part of me must have known and that there was, for me, that there was a point of no return. And I was never willing to cross that line. I came up to it twice with the Coke once and then with the, you know, uh, becoming the abuser. But you, it's interesting because you actually listen to the voice. Yeah. You listen to your higher self. You listen to, it's so interesting that you still could hear that very clearly. Yeah, it is actually. It kind of makes me realize that I was always there and never fully left. Yeah, it was like you were, you were given a lot, a lot to learn. And it was like, but it was almost like your higher self always new. And it was like, just trying to help you through all of it. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I also say like, my gosh, to be quite honest, I'd much rather play the role, be, be in the role of, of person who is being abused than in the role of abuser. I mean, I can't even imagine living with that, living with that. Like that would be so much harder to, to overcome, to transform, you know, it's, I, it's funny you say that. I, I agree. It's of such a destructive place to come from. Yeah. And like, yes, of course, anyone listening is probably like, what? I think right. what we're talking about is just living with that on your soul. Yeah. And like you said, to then have the strength to overcome it, that's mm-hmm. really hard because yeah. that self-forgiveness would be very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And the self-forgiveness was, is what was hardest for me because even though I never fully crossed that line into abuser, I, I caused harm without a doubt. I did things that caused harm. Um, and I think that was, was hard. You know, what do you feel really like forget. for you when you look back, are you like, these are some of those moments like that you caused harm? Yeah. Um, I remember dating this guy in Milan who was just, he was lovely. I mean, he was just a lovely soul, a lovely person. And I did something. I perverted him. I can't, I won't get into what exactly I did or, you know, but I got my, how I had been perverted or the perversion, you know, of my sexuality. I got that on him. Yeah. And it was very deliberate, not like consciously deliberate, but it was deliberate. And I think that was one of the hardest things, um, you know, that I had a really hard time getting over. Did you ever call, like, did you? I don't have his, I mean, on the astral, you know, I've sent him yeah. so much love and, and, you know, I feel his, his forgiveness. Um, 
but yeah, it, it, I definitely, yeah, I just did things, especially to men. It wasn't well, I, very nice to men. <laughs> well, understandably, it was, they were not very nice to you. And yeah. so that's the, the eye for an eye is one of the hardest, I think, energy frequencies to break. Yeah. And I don't know why. I think it's so interesting, but I don't know why, what it is about that frequency and the eye for an eye, I feel like it comes at all different levels, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I feel like it's, there's such a natural instinct for people, understandably, to be like, well, that happened to me. I'm going to do it to them or yeah. to someone else. Um, I think it's, I don't even, I, it's for me, I don't think it's, it's like, a survival technique. Like maybe if you have it, then I won't be the only one carrying it. Hmm. Like, you know, because it's such a lot, it's so much to carry. It's such a weight. It's such a, you know, it just feels so heavy. Um, And I think it's just, you know, like when I think of myself then, oh, oh, this is a perfect analogy, actually. It's like when someone comes to to rescue you when you're drowning and you take them down with you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't see. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. You're just so afraid. You're just so, you don't know what to do. You're just so, you're reaching out in every direction to try to save yourself. And you don't even realize, I think, in a lot of ways that you're taking people down with you. Well, it's interesting because it's, it happens so early for you. It's so talk to me. Cause when I think about it that way, it's like, do you even have any recollection of what light, like when you look into your past of what life should have or could have felt without that burden. I don't think you probably did. I, yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm starting to. Well, I was going to say, so now talk to me about how, because that's so interesting versus someone else, maybe older could say, well, I do remember before being this Mm -hmm. and feeling this and then how it changes. But yeah, for you to start that young, I can't imagine that you have that reference point just by the way our brains right. even work. So yeah. when you started talk about like, and maybe it is, that's the correlation of Reiki and the Akashic mm-hmm. records for you. Talk about what that feeling for you was mm-hmm. like. It's like, it's like you get to walk in a different world. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's not, first of all, it's not like I never had any happiness in the early years. It was just that even in my happiest moments, it was there, Mm -hmm. you know, like it, it, it was always, it was always there. And so, yeah. And so as, um, I did the Reiki and these things started releasing, I mean, I still had some depression that would come up here and there, but it was, I couldn't even, back then, I didn't call it depression because I knew what real depression was like, you know? But it, it wasn't until looking back that I was like, oh, that was still actually depression. It just wasn't, you know, the extreme As, depression that yeah. you, you had. Um, because I think we are, we're so used to certain cycles and certain vibrations and certain things. Like, it really did actually, even though I had all, I had this joy and I had this zest for life and that really started uh, with Reiki and, and didn't end. I would still have like a down day here. I would say I had, 
I still would have like a down day maybe once a week for that first year. And then, and, and then it just like, it got less and less and less. And I think it's important to know too, when I say I'm happy and joyful and blissful and all of that, that does not mean that I don't get angry or <laughs> sad or, you know, it's just different. It's Again, it's, it's like that filter is taken off. So exactly. it's like you can have all the um, the gamut of emotions that right. are that come with being unfortunately a human being sometimes. <laughs> but it's without that heavy filter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you so Reiki was obviously you mm-hmm. felt literally it in your cells um in your being and like you said yeah. walking around zapping everywhere which I think is an amazing <laughs> visual. Um and then you continue to obviously go on to get your, you know, masters. So then you mm-hmm. are now teaching. I mean, you are mm-hmm. you are a Reiki teacher, and you do all your certifications. And yeah. talk about how then when you started re- incorporating the Akashic records into everything. Well, it came pretty quickly actually, because um, I did my level one and level two, and I think it was probably Reiki training. And then I think it was only about maybe six months later that I did the Akashic Records training, my Reiki teacher had us wait a year before we could do uh, the final two levels. Um, and so in that time was when I, I learned the Akashic Records. And it was, it was fun because, first of all, when I was a kid, I saw things, I knew things. I used to call it uh, the jewelry that floated in my room at night and I would play so with what, it. So what would you see? Yeah. Tell me. It was, it was, now I know that I, w- I was seeing energy, but to me as a kid, it was like this jewelry and I would like, you know, bring it towards me and, and just play with this energy. And I mean, I saw some things that were scary as well. Um, like such as? Well, this one time I, my bed at the time faced the long hallway and there, it was like this long hallway and my parents' room was on the left. And I saw this black form walking towards me. And I kept, for some reason, I, who knows why we do the things we do. I put my, the blankets over my head and then put them back down to see <laughs> if he was gone. And he wasn't. He just kept coming. And then he went into my parents' room. One time I was going to the bathroom and I looked up. And there was a scarecrow <laughs> in the window. Whoa, that's scary. It was scary. Um, but I saw amazing things too. Like, but wait, I the dark, with- the dark, the dark entity that went into your parents' room. How old mm-hmm. were you? <sighs> Young, I like, would say under like did, seven. Did you ask them about it like the next day I didn't, or anything? No. The one what I remember asking one night is my mom was laying in my room with me and I was playing with the jewelry. And I said, mom, why does the jewelry only come out at night? And she was like, what are you talking about <laughs> jewelry? And I, I was such an intuitive kid. I could feel that it didn't sit well with her. Um, and so I think my, my family was very Christian and very dedicated kind of to that in very traditional ways. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember too, because I, this one vacation, um, <laughs> before we left, I, I said, uh, my dad, I was asking my dad, when are we going to get there? And he kept saying, I don't know. And I was like, but you know, approximately, or I don't know what I said. And finally I said, fine, we're getting there at two fifty-two PM. And we got there at two fifty-two PM. Exactly. And then the rest of the trip, I kept doing it and I could feel 
I think besides the fact that some of it scared me, the other reason was I could feel that it, it wasn't deemed as okay, that it freaked people out. Mm. And so I definitely turned it off. I would still kind of know who was calling when the phone would ring or little things like that, but I didn't pay attention to it. And I definitely stopped seeing things. Oh, you did? What were some of the amazing things you saw? Oh, well, so um, I literally could, <laughs> could be with God. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Um, <laughs> I, my, my nephews love this. I call it um, when the magic died as a kid. Cause I, I remember it like, even though I was responsible for turning it off to a certain extent, there was still, it's like, I don't think I realized like when I turned that off and this was all unconscious, yeah. that I would turn off these other things that I got to experience because I think what it was, was that I was, I was really in the oneness and I could, I just, it was magical. I don't know how to explain it. Well, one of the things that I do remember very clearly is that there was this room that I would go to very often. And it was like, I remember when I wrote about it, when you, when I entered it, it entered me and all demons and the darkness like disappeared. And I mean, this sounds obvious now, but there was these floating stones and I would climb up the floating stones. And there was this very um, angelic, you know, long white beard, man who would be there and I just loved him and he loved me and it was just like oh <laughs> and uh one day I was we were in the church and I was playing with friends because it was a room in my church and all of a sudden I was like oh my god my room I want to go to the room and I realized oh that's not real it's a dream and so I never had the dream again once I realized that that's so fascinating because it just yeah. shows you that thin veil and that thin line of how easy it is for our brain to shut it off. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's the fun, more fun parter. Um, my first class, the very first time we opened the Akashic Records, my teacher guides us. She has us open our own Akashic Records and she says, now have one of your guides step forward. 25 years later, it's him. He steps forward. Aww. And it was so beautiful. I was like, oh my God, it's you. I just started crying. Is that your main guide? Is that who you do? It's, yeah, definitely. I mean, here's the interesting part. The more that I've worked with the Akashic Records, the less, uh, the less I identify with them separately. And the less, it's interesting. Like I can still, you know, invite them to show up like that. But really, it's like they're just a collective. I work with them all. And they mm -hmm. all kind of shoot things through at different rates and at different times. And spirit is hysterical. I never laugh more than when I'm in the Akashic Records. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was definitely another. I would say what the Akashic Records has offered me is that loft perspective where you can and that unconditional love. I can be in the Akashic Records and no matter what I'm looking at, I'm looking at it through the lens of love. And mm. so it just changes the quality of things. And you can feel the paradox of the oneness. You can feel the infinity. When we know our infinity, when we're in our infinity, 
then we can actually handle what we see going on in our world right now. Because it doesn't have to make sense in this moment because we know we're infinite and that it makes sense in the, in, in the infinity of all of us. But if we're just in it right here and right now, you're, of course you're going to be like, this is screwed up. <laughs> and be in the, why? How is this? This is horrible, you know? Yep. And, and when you're in that perspective of the infinity, of the unconditional love, of that true wisdom, things that you can't comprehend, you know, within yourself, you, you have an understanding for, even if you can't put it into words or make it make sense to someone else, you can feel it. Right. What do you say to students um, who are either one or two who either are learning the Akashic records through you? Cause I know we have a certification coming up, which I'm excited about. Yeah. Um, who are either doing the Akashic records like certification or class or before they even sign up, if their thing is like, I just don't think I'm going to see, or they do that meditation, like you're guiding them through meditation, just like your teacher did you. And you mm -hmm. saw your guide from your childhood. And they're just like, I didn't see anything. I didn't get anything. Or if someone's yeah. afraid that's going to happen, how do you walk people through that or talk about that? Well, a couple some things. If it's before the class, I let them know that there is an attunement, which helps. And so I feel very fortunate, actually, that I had a student very early on who literally that the first time she took the Akashic Records training was like adamant and so downtrodden and so upset because she was like, I'm not getting a thing. I can't do it. It's not working for me. At that time, I only had the, the one day basic training. Yep. She, she took the class again. And, started, and she just kept practicing. She now leads an Akashic practice, practice group with my students every month. She is, I go to her for readings. She's amazing. <laughs> so I, I just feel so lucky that I had that experience and, and um, so that I can share that with people who think that they're not going to be able to do it. So, the, so she didn't the first time she took the class. When did she feel like she started connecting to it the second time or... I, no, because she, she, I still, I think we worked some one-on-one -on -one and I just kept inviting her to practice and, and do this and do that. And then she did do the, the next training. By the next training, she had, she had already shifted some to where like, she felt like she was getting some things. And then through that training, she definitely, you know, progressed quite a bit and then just kept practicing. And, and, and eventually, you know, it was just like, now she really, she talks to them like how I talk to them and she laughs like how I laugh and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and she just has that, the same ability. Um, and so even though that didn't come naturally to her, even though she didn't see things when she was a kid, she has that, she developed it. And so we all have it. And so we all can develop it. You do have to, this is not like Reiki, you get attuned to Reiki. It's the easiest thing in the world. You just put your hand on <laughs> or near someone or something is like Reiki. You don't even have to do anything. It has its own intelligence. Right. I mean, of Just course, you can flow with it. You can magnify right. it. All of that. Um, Akashic Records, you need to practice. It's, it is, yes, some people um, will, from the get-go, have a, a kind of a natural ability with it. And even I had a natural ability with it. I still had to practice. I would, because at first they were communicating very much through images. And I was like, 
I'm seeing a pirate ship. (laughs) And then you have to learn to interpret it. You have to learn how to interpret it. All of that. So it's like you're learning, you're learning really how to, how you communicate with spirit, with your guides, with other people's guides and whatnot. But you said at first, so how did, how does it communicate with you now? Still, I still get a lot of imagery, but I understand it a lot more. I do hear things as well. And, and I just know things. Those are the three and feel. I'm very sens- sens- sensorial mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um, but at first, it was mostly pictures and, and feelings in the body. I can always, I am a emotional empath. So I always feel. Now I don't take it on. I used to take everything on. I couldn't be in crowds, all of that stuff. Now I don't take it on, but I still get it as, as information. I can feel um, if someone's hurting or angry or, or things like that. Um, Is that part of your training too, teaching people how not to take it on? Yes. Um, I, I do offer some techniques for kind of when you do take things on. Well, one of the things, it, it's the most important thing in all of my classes before I invite people to say some version of this before they begin any session, I am not taking on any of this person's energy. I am mm. not giving any of my own energy. I am being a clean, clear channel for the Reiki energy, for the Akashic energy, for whatever it is that you're offering. Because, and here's what really helps me, or what really helped me, was the recognition that when I took someone's pain on, I wasn't taking it from them. So all I've actually done is double the amount of suffering. And that doesn't serve anyone. No. And the truth is, if I was always taking people's emotions on, I couldn't hold, I can't hold space for, for them then to have their emotions so that they can actually free themselves of it. And the beautiful thing now is that when I'm holding space for someone and they're crying, you know, and just this horrible, horrible pain is releasing them. Now what I feel is the piece of them that they're getting back. And I'm, I can feel Uh. the joy in that. That's so beautiful. And mm-hmm. do you feel like that's, do you feel like, do you feel like you're still healing? Do you feel like healing from your own traumas is something that you'll be doing for your entire life? Or do you feel like that's something you can actually do and then it's done? Huh. Both. There, there is a sense of completion mm-hmm. that I have. And Yes, I would not be surprised if something pops up and I'm like, oh, hello, and goodbye. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also, it's, I like kind of the correlation of now you're saying as a healer, mm-hmm. when you're working with others, how you sense the piece of them that they're getting back. Mm-hmm. And like, I wonder if there's a correlation of that also with you as like, you've become more whole in yourself. Oh, at, well, yes, without a doubt. Um and I, that I feel like will keep coming and coming and coming. I think we all have that because my belief is, is that we all are distorted, whether we've had traumas or not, just mm-hmm. the way we live, the, the society that we've created, all of this stuff, it's not true to our actual vibration, our actual nature, our actual light. Um, do you feel like so, it's our job to like, do you feel like that's why we're here to attune it? Like it's kind of... Yeah, I think we all came here. I, I do believe that we our world is shifting from separation into union. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I do believe we all came here with that purpose. And I believe all of us are serving that purpose. Even the ones that were like thinking they're most definitely not serving that purpose are probably serving it actually very well, waking us up in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so, so yes, I think we came here for that purpose. I think we said, yes, I will go do that. I will go be one of the ones to, you know, help the world transform uh, into union once more. When, what, what was in between the modeling and then becoming a practitioner? Um, a lot of hiding. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. And I, um, and I went to college. I ended up majoring in fiction writing. I always knew that I wanted to offer my story at some point. So when I first got in therapy, there was a book that my therapist recommended called The Courage to Heal. And in it were other people's stories. And to hear other people who had been through similar things that I had been through, and they sounded happy and alive. Mm. And, uh, you know, for me, that was just, that was my first true healing, I think, was reading other people's stories. And, and, and it gave me hope. And so right away, I knew, like, I will give that back one day. And so I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do with my life, but I started going to college and I was like, well, I might as well major in fiction writing because I know I want to write this at some point. And so that's what I did. And I found um, Reiki in right before my last year of college. And when I found Reiki, it was like, oh, hello, purpose. How did you find Reiki? Well, this is kind of a fun story too. So I, me and... Um, a friend of mine had started a club in the, the college and it was a writing club and we would bring in Tai Chi or yoga or these different practices and then write about where creativity lived in the body. I don't know how that correlates, but that's what we did. And I know the only two people scheduling were, were me and her. I know I didn't schedule these Reiki practitioners and she said she didn't either, but Whoa. someone scheduled like an angel again. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And I remember um, w- watching them walk down the hallway and it, it felt like witches of Eastwick. You know, I could just, I was like, Ooh, these women are powerful. Yeah. And um, well, they were sent by your angels. You got the big guns. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and the big gun Reiki practitioners. Yeah. And they just came in and talked to us about what Reiki was and how it works. And then they gave us a 15 minute mini treatment. And I knew the lady, there was four of them, and I knew the lady that was going to give me Reiki, you know, that intuition was was on, and um, it, it was her. And when she put her hands on me, almost immediately, I started feeling like I was on a ship swaying back and forth. I knew I was sitting in a chair, I wasn't moving, mm-hmm. but I felt like I was on this ship. And after a while, I started to feel her hands inside of me, literally moving inside of me. I had all this imagery of all this gray gunk flying out of my throat. Wow. And when I opened my eyes, the whole world was brighter. <laughs> so, of course, I was like, whatever the heck that was, you know, give me more. And did you ask her for, like, recommendations? Is that how then it progressed? Or- yeah, she became my teacher. Um, and she was like me, of course, come for a session. They're amazing. They're wonderful. And get attuned. Do a level one class because then you're able to give Reiki to yourself and anyone else for the rest of your life. Not only that, 
but you go through something called a 21-day cleanse, which means the Reiki goes down into your first chakra and it spends three days there clearing, shifting, balancing, healing, moves up the seven main chakras, clearing out. That's why I think of my life as before Reiki and after Reiki. Mm. I mean, it's partly because of the homecoming. I came home to myself, but also that cleanse. I mean, I remember going back and reading my journals later that I had kept during that time. And these things that had been issues for 20 years, 30 years, whatever, I hadn't even thought about. They were gone without even trying. And so, so much just shifted, so much released without me even having to do anything right. besides, you know, the attunement. Now, again, I did still have to go at certain things and, and you know, move with them consciously, but so much fell away just through the, the Reiki attunements. So I wanted to talk about our memberships. So if you are listening to this, no matter where you are in the world, you can now be a part of our community for $49.99. That's it. You can take class every single day, as much as you want. You can take classes 10 times a day if you'd like. Between our live schedule and on our on-demand library, you will have unlimited access. What's beautiful about this now is make it work for you. Whatever you respond to, however you are growing, you will have the ability to set your own schedule and again, like I said, make it work for you. So join us, become a denizen, $49.99. We can't wait to see you in class. Talk about, and then we'll do your personal practice because I realize I've had you on for so long. Oh my God. <laughs> um, talk about a little bit, let's talk about the Akashic Records certification. Yeah, Like definitely. what can people expect? Why is this something that you know, what I always like to remind people, you do not have to take certifications because this is what you think your future career or purpose is going to be. They're amazing self-exploration um, journey. So talk mm -hmm. about that aspect of it as well. Well, first of all, I always like to say, of course, you're already connected to your guides. Of course, you're already in communication with them. And of course, no one needs to take a certification to have that, but, or not, but, and what the certification offers is a more tangible way. It, well, and this is fun too, actually. I actually had a friend who took the training with me, the Akashic Records training, and she was, um, had trained in a psychic school for four years. And she said during that training that it was like going from dial-up to DSL. Ah, so, like everything she had learned really just started working. It, yeah. And it was just, a, it was a much stronger connection, a much faster connection. She could hear better. She could see better. So that's what it offers. So if you really want to have a more um, like tangible, yeah. yeah, where you're really able to ask questions and get answers right away and, and all of that kind of stuff, that's what it offers. It also, there's a healing energy in the records that is amazing the unconditional love that mm. you can feel is, is amazing. That loft view, that infinity that you can touch is amazing. Um, I mean, talk about not having to ever do drugs. This sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> it's like the cleanest drug you can take. Exactly. That's what I feel like. I'm like, why did I do all those drugs before? I didn't need them. Now I, now I live in this, you know, pretty Ecstasy, world. Of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You get to play with the jewelry all the time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I really 
I love it. Look, you're obviously a phenomenal teacher. You, you. Your classes are always packed online, in person, regardless. Um, and your certifications always do well. You are very beloved by you know, the den. And if anyone who hasn't taken our classes, remember we're on den anywhere now, you, everyone can take them from anywhere. They're always on demand. So no matter what your timing is, like it'll be there waiting for you. And I'm so excited for this training. I love when you do the Akashic records. And of course, every time you do a Reiki training, but I think the Akashic records is really special. And so, Yeah. yeah, I hope people take advantage of this opportunity and really sign up because it's yeah. going to be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. more importantly, I mean, thank you for being so transparent and vulnerable and sharing, because I think like you said, when you read that book in college of, you know, people sharing their stories and it gave you hope and they were happy. I mean, you are radiating right now. You always have since I've met you, you're, you know, that, that world that you're talking about full of love and the infinity and all of that, like you can see it come through your pores. Mm -hmm. So for anyone out there who has experienced trauma, abuse, anything, and, you know, still in that it's, I think you're such a beautiful, beautiful spotlight of showing the future and showing that there's a path. And I think, so thank you for allowing us to help share the story. Absolutely. It's my, my honor, my pleasure. Yeah, no, it's so important. And Mm -hmm. you already do such important work, but that story alone is also really important. Yeah. I'm excited to share it more and, and really, I mean, that's what I've always wanted to offer is, is those who don't have any help to give them hope because Mm. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be hopeless. Mm, I know. And you don't have to be. And I think that's what your story shows is like, you really don't have to be. Yeah. Also what you like, I think what your experience is so such a nice reminder for people um, is you're not alone. Like you're actually really never alone. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, you've proved that, you know, your guide who you would go play with in like your favorite world and mm-hmm. your favorite room is the guide you still talk to today. So exactly was always looking out for you and was always there. Yeah. They like to joke that if we actually knew how not alone we were, we'd probably freak out a little bit. Probably nobody would be like <laughs> farting as much, picking their noses, <laughs> masturbating, doing all the, sh- all the regular <laughs> shit people do all the time. <laughs> Which spirit loves. Spirit's like, why is that weird? Awesome. I know that's so funny. <laughs> I think about that a lot, actually. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, we're, it's never very private. So, <laughs> but it's funny that you say spirit loves it because I'm always like, what do you guys think about all the disgusting well, shit people do on a day to day basis? But for like, them, it's not disgusting because they don't just have human behavior. Yeah. yeah, it's actually they actually well not. I mean, if you really think about it. Why would something that's so natural and just a part of how your body works be disgusting? No, I we know. We decided it's that. So you know? funny. Yeah. It's so, it's really, I love that. Because if you, if you knew how not alone you were, <laughs> do they ever like sit around with like popcorn? They're like, so what are we doing this Absolutely. evening? Who should we visit? Who's going to be the most entertaining? Absolutely. And they, the other thing that they love, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I open the Akashic records and the, there's like a cheering squad, you know, they got like all the pom-poms and they're just like, woohoo. They are like our biggest cheerleaders. So when you, which kind of brings us back to that point of your story, when you're on the curb 
and you decide like you've got to get out of there. And that angel, I mean, you can tell that cheering squad was yeah. there and they created yeah. the ticket. Like that is why that ticket was there Absolutely. for you because yeah. they weren't going to let it not happen. You finally yeah. made it. I've been very what, fortunate. I've had a few angels in my life. Quite a few. Everybody has angels. I think that's what's so absolutely important about your story is you you allowed the angels to work. Yeah. 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 And maybe it's because of that voice from when you were younger. Maybe there was that subconscious belief, like knowing it was there subconsciously. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, that's why I think it's so interesting about your story. It was like you somehow... I don't know. You always yeah. kind of. It's interesting because I don't feel like I've heard that until this time. And maybe it's because you're hearing it that I get to hear it. That I, I do. I see. It, it didn't feel that way. I'll tell you while I went through it, it didn't feel like I had some. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Or, or even some part of myself that was looking out for me. But now, it, you know, just sharing with you, I can see, oh, my gosh, I was so protected. I, I so then how would that. you, how would you, so then how well, do you, you communicate that to someone who's going through it where you know they don't believe they're being protected? You know, they don't feel like there's anyone. How do you communicate You know that? what? You aren't. Because the truth is you have to feel that. You have to get angry. You have to say, this is not fair. This is not right. I am not okay with this. And, and that's okay. Right. You know? You it's, have it's to feel fair. like you're the fighter. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I think that took me, the reason it took me so long, because I've really been on this healing journey for a long time. And again, right after Reiki, things got exponentially better. But still, I mean, really, I don't even feel like it was until the last couple of years that I fully have started to embrace my happiness and fully, you know, mm-hmm. and really even just now, I feel like, oh my God, this year, the my life is going to change in such phenomenal ways. Like I can just feel I'm on this cusp now yeah. of like really thriving. It's like you integrated so much. And I think the the thing that took me so long was I didn't want to. We want to. God, it was so bad and it was so painful. How can we ever say it was okay? But the truth is, hmm. if you if it if you can't have it be okay, you can't truly be healed. Right. Yeah, but that's hard. It so is I get hard. that. It's like if if you can't have it be okay, then it's never gonna be okay. Exactly. So if you're in this if you're so you in have- the space of it's not okay, stay there. Be there until you're until you're really ready. You'll and, and if you need to believe that that's not possible and that's not the way it's going to go, then believe that. Just because that's the way it was for me, just because that's what I believe, doesn't mean that that's going to be the way for you. Maybe you'll find something different in another way, whatever that is, whatever you need. I just want people to know that it's possible to have relief and to find happiness and to find, you know, themselves and their life. Yeah, it's the, it's like not, it's not the magic eraser. It's like allowing the healing to happen. Yeah. Because healing's so different, you know, than 
healing is different than fixing, you know, and, and getting mm-hmm. it and it just disappearing. So I think it's, I feel like that's what you're talking about is like part of the healing is, ugh, I hate even having hate this word is seeing, um, yes, giving the forgiveness, seeing and making it okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, it's be- beautiful conversation. Thank you. Yeah, like really, thank you. thank you. It was very moving and inspiring. Okay. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. My pleasure. So everybody stay tuned for her personal practice and go to denanywhere.com, sign up for classes because her classes are amazing. So you can have her every day between the on-demand schedule and a live classes. And of course, Akashic Reiki is right around the corner. Um, I mean, Akashic Records training. Akashic Reiki is every week. Um, but Akashic, Akashic Records training right around the corner. Um, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So now Nia is going to lead us in her personal practice, which is a remember your innocence meditation, which is a beautiful journey back to your inner child. So first I'm going to open up the Akashic records. I say a ceremony. There's a little time where I'm, while I'm silent and you can just be closing your eyes and just starting to sink into yourself and notice Be aware of your breath, of your body, of your being. I open the records in love. I open the records in light. I open the records for the greatest good of all. I invite all Akashic beings, angels, guides, masters and teachers of you to be here now. I invite all guidance, all knowing and all truth to be here for you. And I ask that a channel of connection be established for all love, light, and healing to flow from the Akasha to you now. The records are open in love. The records are open in light. The records are open for the greatest good of all. So first, just take a moment to Feel the support beneath you, wherever you're sitting or lying. And just allow yourself to fall into that support. Sink in, feeling your shoulders relaxing, your brow increasing, the spine melting down, the pelvic floor grounding, opening. Feel as you sink into you, into your center, into this moment. And you're going to start to imagine a spiraling staircase that goes down. You're going to start to walk down and around this staircase. With each step, you're moving deeper and deeper inside of you. With each step, you're letting go more and more. Without trying. You're just walking down and around. Step after step. Moving deeper and deeper. And you're on the 10th to last stair. Nine, eight, seven, six, 
walk out onto a landing and notice a door in front of you. You're going to come into the knowing that just beyond this door is you in all of your innocence. It's a younger you. It's a you that knows your breath, your true, your vibration, your love. It is you in your innocence. Open this door. See this you, sense this you, feel this you, go to this you, connect with this you. Mm. What does this one wish to know? What does this one need? What do you want to offer this space of you, this child of you? And what does this you want to breathe open to help you remember, to ignite, reignite, awaken? Feel this you melting into you and feel this innocence, this purity, this true, moving throughout the entirety of your being, reawakening. Reimagining, opening you to the light at the center of your soul, opening you to the unconditional love that exists in every particle of your being, opening you to forgiveness. Forgiveness of all moments. Forgiveness for anything and everything that was ever done to you by you. Forgive yourself. Mm. Now feel yourself rising, rising in this light, rising as this you, rising up into your becoming into your more, into your thriving, into your yes. And know that 
that you are whole. You are true. And you are more in every moment. You can float in this energy, in this love, in this light for as long as you need. And close the records in love. And close the records in light. And close the records with the greatest of gratitude. TED Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.